You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're... Team ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show! As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we're back with the Week 15 Recap and the Waiver Wire Report tonight. It is the full recap. Now, we are recording this during the Monday Night Game. So if anything special were to happen during this game, of course, we will talk about it throughout the week. We will not be able to recap that tonight, but I'll make sure you guys get this all out early Tuesday morning and are able to listen to this show, especially as we look forward to next week. Of course, we're going to be recapping and analyzing what we could take out of this week with the waiver wire report. Looking forward to who we can use to improve our chances to win our championships here with MD Nation because that's what it's all about. It's finally here, the moment we have all been waiting for. Except for those, of course, in those amateur hour leagues, which you may, you are in your championship week, but you may have one more week to go before deciding the result of your league. Of course, we'll be back next week as normal. I know we have Christmas next week. We'll have the normal recap shows. We'll have the normal Thursday and Friday preview shows. Luckily, Christmas does fall on a Wednesday, so it actually should not affect the podcast schedule too much as a result. We'll keep continuing to do our sportscaster live videos for the preview shows this Thursday and Friday, and of course, next week as well. Probably won't get to it in today's show, but we will be going over more things that we can look forward to in the offseason that I plan on bringing you guys as far as content, football-related dynasty fantasy football throughout the offseason what you guys have to look forward to and what are some improvements for next year as well very exciting stuff across the board all thanks to you md nation we are able to expand this show and make it even better than ever so i want to let you know what we plan on doing there like so we won't be able to get to that in this show because we have so much content to go over so we're going to go ahead we're going to hit the break we're going to get right into it on the other side the MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. 
After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Now, one of the big things that we can take out of this week compared to last week is that there were far less injuries. Now, of course, there was some key ones, and we're going to talk about that in today's show as we go through the recap, but at least as a whole, there were less injuries this week than there was a week ago. So I guess that's somewhat of a silver lining news, but there were some key spots here that we're going to have to go over and talk about as we go through the recaps. So the first game up that we're going to get into today is the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears. Mitchell Trubisky finding a way to be fantasy relevant for the third week in a row. However, I'm going to continue to not trust him heading into your championship weeks. Now, yes, he had 334 yards. Yes, he had a touchdown, but he had two picks, tacked on 29 yards rushing. The biggest thing is somebody he does make fantasy relevant. Anthony Miller, nine catches, 118 yards, a touchdown on 15 targets in this game, proving that as long as Taylor Gabriel continues to miss, and he very well might because he has missed multiple weeks now with that concussion injury and has not looked like he's made much progress as of yet. He is somebody who now three weeks in a row has been targeted very heavily, and this is probably the first game where him and Al Robinson both were able to have big games. And as long as that continues to be a factor, as long as the offense continues to run the way that it is, Anthony Miller is somebody who creeps up into wide receiver three territory when talking about him going into this week. Definitely an improvement, definitely a development on where we had him a week ago, which was we were still not trusting him because of Trubisky's play, but it has been much better as of late, especially in matchups against defenses that have not been very good as of late either. Uh, now, of course, Allen Robinson, two, seven catches, 125 yards, 14 targets. He continues to be at that high-end wide receiver three, borderline low-end wide receiver two territory, especially when he does not have to face an elite quarter on the other side. So he's somebody else you can continue to play with some success. The only other ones of note here, of course, Tree Cohen, seven catches, 57 yards on 10 targets. That had more to do with them coming back from behind than anything else. He's still so game flow dependent that Tree Cohen is still not somebody, even in PPR leagues, that I'm going to want to trust too much in my flex position. David Montgomery was the big disappointment in this game. Now, a lot of it had to do with game script again, but... Being that this game was never really that far out of hand at any one point, the fact they only got 14 carries for 39 yards continues to not be very involved in the passing game. Only one catch for 10 yards on a target here just shows that the Bears have to be in a situation where they are leading for most of this game in order for him to get the touches that he should be getting and be able to get the production that he should be getting. It was a disappointment here because it was a plus matchup. This is a team that has been you've been able to run on for most of the season and had some injuries early on in this game in their front seven as well. So the fact that he wasn't able to take advantage of that was definitely uh, disappointing. And if you did survive with David Montgomery into your championship week, it very well maybe 
leaving him off of your lineups unless you're very confident the Bears are going to be able to go or are going to be able to get up early and stay up throughout the game next week. And we'll talk about that in the preview show as we get closer to the weekend. On the Packers side of the ball, Aaron Rodgers, once again, was just not fantasy relevant. Now, I know a lot of people looked at Rodgers and said, hey, you know, it's against the Bears. He typically has a history of being able to show up against the Bears and put up big performances. But in this one, only 203 yards, only a touchdown, and 23 yards rushing is just not enough to get the job done. We're only talking about one touchdown on 200 yards passing. If you're in the championship and you have Aaron Rodgers, I have to think that there are better options out there for you. There's been some streaming options that have been available in most leagues. Uh, right now, our top streaming options are actually all over 50% owned, so they do not make the waiver wire report this week. But there got to be some leagues out there where guys like Gardner Minshew and Jimmy Garoppolo are probably still available. And I would look to go in either one of those directions over Aaron Rodgers going into next week. Right now, he's just not fantasy relevant, not trustworthy whatsoever to have in your lineups. I know this was, on paper, a tough matchup against Chicago, but just continues to be a completely disappointing season from a fantasy standpoint for Aaron Rodgers. Now, outside of that, though, the guys that you typically want to be able to lean on, you pretty much can, for the most part, when you're talking about Aaron Jones, who only had 13 carries, but does come through with two touchdowns in this game on 51 yards, and Devontae Adams came through in this one. Seven catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown. You can continue to play these guys with confidence. The only guy that I would maybe stay away from next week is Jamal Williams. He had been a flex play in PPR leagues for the most part this season, but over the past couple of weeks when the Packers have decided to make an emphasis on trying to get Aaron Jones back involved into the passing game, Jamal Williams has clearly taken a back seat into that regard, not just in the passing game, but as far as his overall touches go. Now in this one, Aaron Jones actually was not targeted at all, but his overall touches, his overall snap count went way down as they continue to get Aaron Jones more and more involved as they get into the playoffs here. So something just to kind of keep in mind, right Right now, when you're talking about the Green Bay Packers, I trust Aaron Jones, I trust Devontae Adams, and that's really just about it, especially heading into championship weekend. Next game, we want to talk about the Patriots and the Bengals. It was looking scary there for the Patriots for that first half. It looked like the Bengals were keeping in it. It looked like the Patriots didn't have, still yet again, did not have a clue of what to do. And frankly, from a fantasy perspective, Tom Brady, even though the offense picked it up in the second half, was still incredibly pedestrian. 128 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions in this game. But just somebody that even, it gets into any Bengals if he couldn't put up a great fantasy performance here. He's not somebody who could put up a fantasy performance next week either. Now, the big thing here is the pass catchers were all very disappointing. Julian Edelman, two catches, nine yards on five targets, but you have to continue to play him. He's been a dependable wide receiver, especially in PPR leagues. This has been his lowest target share of the year so far in this one. I expect him to get back on track. Yes, he's definitely playing a bit banged up. There was a report today that said he was playing hurt on a strained knee tendon, which definitely does not sound good, but as long as he's out there, this is by far his worst game of the season. I expect him to be a more heavily involved heading into next week as they are still competing for that first round bye and for home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So these games are still very important for New England, especially heading into this week. I expect Edelman to play. I expect Edelman to get back on track in next week's matchup. Outside of that, you're talking about James White, who, yes, wasn't heavily involved, but does get you to touchdown in this game. He continues to be somebody in PPR leagues, especially just can, you continue to play him as an RB2, continue to play them as a flex guy. There's no reason to come off of that. There's no reason to question that. James White's still somebody who should be in your lineups. 
Yes, we, we should quickly mention Sony Michelle, 19 carries, 89 yards. Overall, not a bad performance here, but against the Cincinnati Bengals, if you weren't going to get 100 yards on a touchdown here, you're not going to do it in the championship week next week. Sony Michelle is somebody who you can't really drop because of his role on the offense because of the touchdown possibilities that he has, but you cannot trust to play him in your lineups next week. You cannot do it. You have to leave him on your bench. The the Patriots offense is just not there. They're just not running the ball with that much conviction. They still seem to be lacking an identity of what they truly want to be offensively. And he has been lacking those big runs. He hasn't had a 20-yard plus run. He has only been able to get you maybe 10 yards at most at any given one time. So somebody just you just can't trust unless he were to fall into the end zone, which is something you're not looking for in your championship weeks. He's really going to be fantasy irrelevant for the most part uh, in any given week right now with where his value is at. On the Bengals side of the ball, this was impressive. 25 carries, 136 yards for Joe Mixon against the New England Patriots. Now, yes, all season long, the one thing you've been able to do is run against them. But this is talking about a Bengals team that have been so bad on offense that you figure with the Patriots, with the way they played last week against the Chiefs, this could be a revenge game for them. And Joe Mixon still decided to come out and show up anyway. And the big thing is that he's just getting fed left and right. Joe Mixon has to be considered an RB2 next week. Or it has to be considered an RB2 next week. So you go ahead, you fire him up, you play him. If he's going to be able to do performance like this against the Patriots, he can do it pretty much against anybody with the workload that he's been seeing as of late. And just the fact that their offense has been competent now with the return of Cordy Glenn really shows you how special of a player Joe Mixon is because that's that's all he pretty much needed on that offensive line just to give him some blocking to be able to do something with the ball. So you can trust Joe Mixon moving forward. As far as the wide receivers go, Tyler Boyd's still the main guy with seven targets, but only three catches for 26 yards. He's merely a PPR, high floor, wide receiver three type of guy you're talking about. He doesn't present much upside for you. And yeah, he has a possibility to score. Yeah, he's still the number one pass catcher on this team that's lacking that. And yes, you're going to have better matchups next week than you have with the New England Patriots this week for sure. But his production has been very inconsistent throughout the entire season. It's going to greatly depend on what you have in your lineup. So just kind of keep that in mind. Next game that we want to talk about is the Seattle Seahawks and the Carolina Panthers. This game actually wound up being pretty competitive throughout, but not competitive enough according to Carolina. Because earlier today... Remember, recording this Monday night. Earlier today, it came out that the Panthers are going to look to start Will Greer this week and next week in an evaluation effort to see what they have going into next season, pretty much surmising that Kyle Allen is not the future of this ball club, and it still seems as though Cam Newton will not be the future of this ball club either. So keeping that in mind here, you have to continue to play DJ Moore. You have to continue to play Christian McCaffrey. Even with Will Greer, you figure he's going to lock on to his number one target. That's going to be DJ Moore. He has been too good. He's a big reason why. If you have him and you made it to the championship, he's a big reason why you are there in the first place. Even if it's DFS, this guy is getting targeted way too often. I don't expect that to change with Will Greer. I'm staying away from Curtis Samuel, who did find the end zone in this game, but I'm staying away from him. I'm staying away from Greg Olson, even if he is able to come back from the concussion injury this week. I'm only playing two guys. That is 
it. On the Seahawks side of the ball, it was good to see Russell Wilson put up a decent fantasy performance in this one. 20-26, 286 yards, two touchdowns. Didn't, you know, wasn't great, wasn't a superb performance, wasn't a, a fantastic fantasy day, but given that as of late, he's been finding himself outside the quarterback ones altogether, it was good to see him get this performance here because it's also really hard to bench Russell Wilson with the season that he has had. So it's good to see him be able to get back on track to some degree in this game. They do have a plus matchup against the Arizona Cardinals next week. I think you can go ahead and fire up the, fire up Russell Wilson once again. The other guy you can continue to fire up is Chris Carson coming through with another big day. 24 carries, 133 yards on two touchdowns in this matchup against the worst defense in the NFL with no Rashad Penny. Chris Carson is an RB1 in your championship lineups next week with no Rashad Penny as that volume is going to be through the roof continues and even if he fumbles... You don't really have to worry about it as much anymore as a Chris Carson owner. So guess what? Chris Carson should be an RB1 for you next week. The other guy I want you to fire up with confidence next week, especially against the Arizona Cardinals, is Tyler Lockett. I talked about it all week long into the show. Yes, everybody was down on Lockett. Yes, there's people telling you you could not trust him. And I was one of the few saying, hey, guess what? Even though it was an impressive stat line for catcher for 40 yards from last week, because it had been a huge increase in snap count, an increase in volume coming off of that injury he looked much better just running his routes in general in that game last week I said there was reason to have confidence to be able to play him this week against Carolina Panthers a defense that is falling apart in every way right now there's not a match in which you are afraid of them in any capacity I said fire up Tyler Lockett you can still play him as a wide receiver too and he came through for you with the eight catches for 120 yards and a touchdown on nine targets was by far the most targeted wide receiver DK Metcalf still found a way to get you a touchdown I did have him a wide receiver three as well and because of that touchdown he still managed to get you that but kind of disappointing to only have two catches for 36 yards on four targets in this game he's still somebody who's a boom or bust wide receiver three option who can win you the week so he's still somebody especially against the cardinals that i think you're going to be able to fire up and play with confidence as well josh gordon now as i said recording this monday night so earlier today is when the news came out that josh gordon is going to be suspended once again indefinitely for substance abuse issues a problem Probably will seal the deal on Josh Gordon's career, I would have to imagine, at this point, just time and time again now. And while it's a little bit disappointing, I guess if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan looking to make a Super Bowl run, because he could have been definitely somebody who was a main contributor for you in the playoffs, for fantasy purposes, it doesn't really change a whole hell of a lot. If anything, it just gives you more confidence that DK Metcalf will continue to get his targets as well. Not that that wasn't already the case, even with Josh Gordon in the lineup. Look for Dave, maybe David Moore to get back involved again in this team. Some other, Jaron Brown to maybe get back more involved again, but... All in all, it just means DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett are guys you can fire up as the top two receivers for that squad. Moving along here, we have the Denver Broncos. We have the Kansas City Chiefs. We had our first snow game of the year, and it didn't really affect too many things on the Chiefs' side of the ball. It was a little more conservative. didn't hit as many big plays, but Patrick Mahomes was still Patrick Mahomes. 27-34, 340 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, did tack on 11 yards rushing was a QB one for the week, got Tyree Kill involved, who only had five catches, 67 yards, but had two touchdowns in this game on seven targets. And, of course, Travis Kelsey with the big yardage day, 11 catches, 142 yards. The only thing he didn't do is score a touchdown in this ballgame. 
They both continue to just be fantasy studs week in and week out. Not that they wouldn't be, but being that there's been a lack of production on Sammy Watkins' part, in this game, again, only three catches for 49 yards on four targets, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are just as consistent as they come right now from a fantasy production standpoint. You can continue to play them with great, great confidence, especially since with the passing game in general, the volume is always going to be there, one, because of the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, but two, until we actually see Damian Williams come back, which maybe it will be this week, but he wound up not being able to go this past week after being a full participant in practice on Wednesday. He's going to have to be a full participant in practice every day this week to have any confidence whatsoever to be able to play him. And if he cannot go again, what we have seen is that there is no one in this backfield that is trustworthy, not just from a fantasy standpoint, but for the Chiefs' standpoint. And that will continue to have high volume there for Kelsey and Tyreek Hill next week as well. On the Broncos side of the ball, Drew Locke came back down to reality. 208 yards, no touchdowns, an interception in this game. Kansas City Chiefs defense continues to be actually one of the better fantasy plays that you can do right now. Everybody wants to write them off because of their woes in the rushing game, but the fact is, this is not a defense that you can throw on with ease at all. This is a defense that is getting pass rush right now, and they continue to do so in this game. The only disappointment, and wasn't really too much of a disappointment, but Cortland Sutton here, four catches, 79 yards on 10 targets in this game. Not really a disappointing game, but always a little bit disappointing when you don't see him get into the end zone just because he had been so consistent in that capacity so far this season. And he was coming off of a bad game last week, so you're kind of hoping to see him rebound in this one. Still was a decent performance, though. Still didn't lose you the week whatsoever. So if you have Cortland Sutton, he's still somebody who's going to be that high-end wide receiver three option for you going into next week. Noah Fant was able to get through this game. Two catches, 56 yards, but it's just clear that Noah Fant's not anywhere near 100% at the moment. And therefore, because he's only a streaming tight end to begin with, I'm going to have him on the lower end and really not looking his way heading into next week too much, if I can at all help it. In this matchup here, Philip Lindsay was really the disappointment on the on the Broncos side of the ball. Only seven carries for 32 yards, and a snow game, which you thought they would be able to run the ball with a little more effectiveness, just didn't get it done in this one. And Philip Lindsay, disappointingly, had two targets for zero catches in this game, so he wasn't very involved in the passing game, while Royce Freeman had four catches, only for 14 yards, but was much more involved in the passing game. Now, up until this point, Philip Lindsay had been pretty much out-touching Royce Freeman 2-1 to one until this game. And this was one of those games where you can say because of the weather, because of the way the Chiefs dominated, you can kind of chalk it up to a weird type of game where I wouldn't really take too much out of the work share that we saw out of Philip Lindsay and out of Forrest Riemann in this in this matchup. So I'm not going to worry about that. I'm still going to fire up Philip Lindsay as a low-end RB2 heading into next week's matchup. It still is the guy who should be out-touching Roy Streaming by quite a bit next week. It had been his backfield up until this point pretty thoroughly, and I expect it to continue next week in a more uh, probably simpler matchup and not as bad of weather either. Next game. Houston Texans, Tennessee Titans, Ryan Tannehill coming through for you in the clutch. We had him as a top five QB this week, and he had an excellent performance, 279 yards, two passing touchdowns, an interception, but also tacked on the rushing touchdown in this game, which was the name of the game for him, which is why he had the good fantasy day for the week. This is exactly why we have Ryan Tannehill ranked so high right now as 
one of the top end streaming quarterbacks who could very well win teams their leagues this year because the way he has played as of late because of the floor that he continues to give you with the upside because they're playing so well especially AJ Brown right now eight catches 114 yards a touchdown on 13 targets this marks the first time all year he's had two weeks in a row where he's able to go over 100 yards and a touchdown again taking advantage of plus matchups which is something he has done on a pretty consistent basis all season long turning into a stud being the number one pass catching wide receiver that the Tennessee Titans have on this team like I kept saying all year eventually was going to be the case AJ Brown is somebody right now who is a high-end wide receiver three with wide high-end wide receiver two upside if he continues to play the way he is playing and getting targeted that was the big thing in this game he got targeted way more than we had seen him get targeted up until this point I continue while he may not get 13 targets again next week I do expect to see him get more than five I expect to see him get more involved that way because him and Ryan Tannehill are more and more on the same page each and every week I expect that to continue big story of the day with Derrick Henry how is it going to be able to fare Look, while it was only a solid day, not a great day, it wasn't an RB1 day, it was more of an RB2 day for the guy because he had 21 carries for 86 yards, and of course, as per usual, he was not involved in the passing game. I'll still take a decent performance against the Houston Texans. I'll still take a performance in which he had 21 carries coming into a game where there were some hamstring concerns. I think it only means that because he was able to get through this game unscathed, as long as he does not have a setback in practice this week, I do believe Derrick Henry will be even healthier and more like himself heading into next week's matchup. So I think Derrick Henry will be somebody who will be back on the low-end RB1 radar heading into next week. You can continue to play him with confidence. While it wasn't maybe the performance as you were hoping for, I was still all in all pretty happy with what he gave you. Uh, one guy I want to touch on real quick is Janu Smith. Five catches, 60 yards on five targets. He's kind of gotten back to being involved in this offense to some degree over the past two weeks. He is somebody who's in that streaming tight end territory, but he is still somebody because of his performance so far this season that we still have to consider being on the low end when you're talking about streaming options at the tight end position. So keep your eyes on that as we preview the matchups. We'll tell you some guys that we might like better as we get the rankings out to you some point on Thursday, maybe tomorrow night, or maybe Wednesday night, I should say, uh, as we move along here. But at least by Thursday afternoon, we'll get you some tight ends that we like that might be available on the waiver wire. On the Texan side of the ball, Deshaun Watson was okay. 243 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, did tack on 32 yards rushing. He gave you that floor. This is a a decent defense in the Tennessee Titans, but they've also been a little bit below average when it comes to passing games. So this is a bit of a disappointment that Deshaun Watson didn't have a bigger week in this week, but you'll take that performance. He's still somebody you have to keep playing as a QB1 heading into your championship weeks. The big news of the day was Carlos Hyde. 26 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. He's somebody who, as long as the game script is in his favor where they are leading and they are able to run the football, he continues to be somebody who is going to be utilized as a workhorse type back. And it also goes to show that unless the Texans are down, Duke Johnson is not involved, which is why I keep saying over and over and over again, you cannot play Duke Johnson in your flex positions, even in PPR leagues, because you you just don't know how that game script is going to necessarily go. Unless they're playing a superior team, you can't count on them having to come back from behind. So that means Duke Johnson is somebody you just cannot trust right now at the moment. 
DeAndre Hopkins came through. It took him all the way to the second half, but eventually he did come through. Six catches, 119 yards, eight targets, no question wide receiver one there. And Wolf Fuller had a decent performance in this one. Five catches, 61 yards on seven targets. I think the only disappointing thing is that Kenny Stills was the one who wound up with two touchdowns in this game. Not something you're you're going to count on. And first time all year he's wound up with two touchdowns. That's going to go to Hopkins. That's going to go to Wolf Fuller. And the biggest thing is that Fuller came out of this game unscathed without the hamstring issue bothering him. He is somebody who will be a wide receiver three boomer bust type of play heading into next week's matchup. We got the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Redskins right here. And this was another game where it looked like the Eagles were looking for ways and reasons to give the game away. The fact that Redskins were able to keep this 10 point game and even had a shot at the end was really kind of surprising in this one. Carson Wentz, 266 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He really played a good game, especially considering he's got very, very, very limited options to throw the football. Yes, against the Washington Redskins, it was still a question as to whether or not you could play him. He was actually more of a streaming territory type of quarterback heading into this matchup just because of the lack of options you knew he was going to have to be able to throw the ball to. But he did have a solid performance, mostly thanks to do to Zach Ertz, five catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown, who's back up to that top three tight end category. And also from a surprise performance of Greg Ward, seven catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown on nine targets. I mentioned Greg Ward here because you cannot, cannot, I repeat, cannot play Greg Ward against the Dallas Cowboys next week. He's just not that good of a wide receiver. This was a matchup in which he could take advantage of. It's by default being the number one wide receiver on this team. While while JJ Arcega-Whiteside was listed as the number one starting wide receiver, he only had two targets in this game. It is Greg Ward who is the wide receiver who looks like he's actually going to be more involved, but still just not a very good great talent, not somebody against the Dallas Cowboys you're going to want to necessarily play. I think you're just going to stick with the tight ends of Zach Gertz. I think you're going to stick with Miles Sanders, especially if Jordan Howard continues to miss, and that's going to be about it. And speaking of Miles Sanders, he finally had the performance to match the volume that he had been having pretty much since Jordan Howard had been out. 19 carries, 122 yards, a touchdown, also tacked on six catches for 50 yards and a touchdown in this one as well. Boston Scott was actually involved as well, had seven catches for 39 yards, still nothing I'm riding home about, he's not a sleeper for me in any any capacity unless you're in very, very deep leagues in PPR leagues for flex position, but I'm not looking at Boston Scott, but it does show you that he is going to be somewhat involved in the passing game if Jordan Howard continues to miss as the second backup running back. But Miles Sanders finally having that big signature game that we were all waiting for in a plus match against Washington Redskins. Next week it's much tougher against Dallas, but you know who knows what Dallas team is going to show up next week has always been kind of the issue as long as Jordan Howard is out he's getting enough volume to be considered as an RB2 and a must play in your lineups Dwayne Haskins had his best game of the year 261 yards two touchdowns now while he himself is still not fantasy relevant for you whatsoever heading into championship leagues of course what that does show is that while he has been better and developed more and more each and every week it helped out who Terry McLaurin finally getting back to doing what he was doing early in the season still only had five targets in this game and was more than was I should say it this way was less than half the amount of targets that Steven Sims Jr. saw which is surprising but five catches 130 yards a touchdown five targets took advantage of a plus match against the Philadelphia Eagles It just shows that Terry McLaurin is back to being a wide receiver three. I had talked him up this week. I had seen 
signs of improvement while watching the game film between these two, getting back into sync, getting back on track, getting back to being able to produce, and therefore he's going to be able to make big plays and give him those opportunities. Now, like I said, Steven Sims, though, had 11 targets. A little concerning to me that he had that many targets over Terry McLaurin, but this is the first game in which he, was, he out-targeted Terry McLaurin as well, so I'm not going to read too much into it here. And on those 11 targets... He did have a touchdown, but only five catches for 45 yards. Just wasn't nearly as effective either. I'm not going to play anybody outside of Terry McLaurin. Uh, you can still play Adrian Peterson to some degree. You saw in this game, 16 carries, 66 yards, a touchdown in this one. Just He's going to continue to get that carries, where I think 16 carries is actually on the low end of what you can see him. I think you can... More expect him to play next week at a 20-carry clip. That's more what you've been seeing. Uh, I think the real disappointment here was that Chris Thompson wasn't nearly as involved in a game which you thought he might be because it's the Eagles. It's a tough run defense. You figure Chris Thompson had been pretty involved in the passing game and we're maybe starting to think about playing him as a flex in PPR leagues. I don't know if that could be the case. This was a game that should have been his game script. They were down for most of this game, and it really just didn't work out that way. So Chris Thompson is somebody you just can't trust in PPR leagues unless you're in very, very deep leagues. Uh, but Adrian Peterson, Terry McLaurin, I think you can fire these guys up depending on what options you have in your lineups with some confidence. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. We still have a lot more to get to on the other side. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Rolling along as we continue to fly through these matchups... Because, of course, we're streamlining because we have so much more to talk about today because we're doing this all in one episode we normally do in two. And, of course, because, frankly, at this point, the only teams left listening are guys that have players that are, you know, at the creme de la creme Because that's how you made it to the championship for the most part, generally speaking. So not as much to talk about either, or at least in the streamlined process. But one of the things we have to talk about that's very important In this game, it's Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Detroit Lions, the injury to Chris Godwin because he is definitely, without a doubt, and because of the performance that he had in this game, on championship rosters. And he probably will not be able to play this upcoming week. And he had five catches for 121 yards. He Seven targets in this game before getting injured with the hamstring. He's going to be out. So now what? Rashad Perryman, five catches, 113 yards, had three touchdowns in this game. Now, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. 
while it might be a little bit different next week when he is the number one wide receiver and he's actually the focal point of the other team's secondary next week because of the way this team has to throw the ball because they continue to have just lackadaisical production when it comes to rushing the football. He's going to be looking at at nothing else, at least a large target share, where I would, th- I would say it's safe to say he's going to get at least eight targets, probably even more than that next week. I think that's what you're looking at here. Now, O.J. Howard was a little bit more involved. He only had four catches for 46 yards, but he did eight targets, and that's something we expected to see. We expected him to see be more involved with no Mike Evans. And now with no Chris Godwin, outside of Brashad Perryman, O.J. Howard is the other pass catcher who I'm looking for to be even heavily more heavily involved in this one. I mean, they, they, they literally got almost the entire team involved as far as targets go. But the big wins were Cameron Bray or O.J. Howard or Brashad Perryman outside of Chris Godwin. Those are the big ones. And I think that's what you can continue to see next week. Now, Cameron Bray, for me, I mean, you want to talk about a desperate shot in the dark sleeper tight end, okay? And yes, because he had the seven targets last week, yes, because there's no Chris Godwin, he could find himself in a situation where even with O.J. Howard getting more work that he might actually have enough targets set his way where he could possibly do something. But outside of a DFS tournament, I don't think I'm going to be in a situation where I'm finding myself that desperate to tight end position and take a chance on Cameron Brake next week. Just to kind of keep that in mind. But also want to recognize that the target share is going to possibly be there. And maybe that's enough for you to take a shot on that. So just kind of put that out there. But I am not going to be suggesting playing Cameron Brayton in your lineups next week. O.J. Howard is somebody who will have in that streaming tight end territory. Brashad Perryman, we're going to talk about him on the waiver wire report. But he's somebody who can't be ignored, especially after the game that he had this past week. But now with no Chris Godwin on top of it, him being the number one wide receiver, it, the targets are just going to be there for him, plain and simple. But that is a big, that's a big-time injury. After Mike Evans, now Chris Godwin. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are really starting to screw some fantasy teams over here in the most important time of the year. As far as the running game goes, Ronald Jones, Peyton Barber, it's absolutely terrible. Ronald Jones, 11 carries, 23 yards. And what was probably the most disappointing thing about him is that he only had three targets for one reception and 26 yards. A game in which they figured Ronald Jones would have to be more involved was another guy who's expected to have more of a target share with the absence of Mike Evans. And that did not come to fruition at all. And maybe next week you want to make the same argument now. with no Chris Godwin, he's going to have to get involved. And maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Right now, heading my championship week, there's no way in hell I'm playing a running back on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm still okay with you playing James Winston. You had a huge game in this one. Obviously, 458 yards, four touchdowns, interceptions. He does have to take a little bit of a tick down next week with no Godwin along with no Mike Evans. But just based on the pure volume and the way this offense has to function, he's still going to have enough of a floor where he could maybe get a ceiling, still get a big play with some of the weapons that he does still have on the field to be able to still play him as a QB1 for fantasy purposes. On the line side of the ball, this was what was you know disappointing. Bo Scarborough wound up being a scratch later on in the week. David Blau continues to just be mediocre at best. 24-43, 260 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. The biggest disappointment here was Kenny Galladay. No Marvin Jones Jr. anymore. Kenny Galladay hadn't really seen more than five targets with David Blau as of yet, and you knew he was going to have to in this game. And 
technically he did. Seven seven targets in this game. But it only resulted in three catches for 44 yards. He didn't find the end zone, which is the first time he didn't find the end zone so far since David Blau has taken over. And this was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which should have been a plus matchup for the guy. The wide receiver who wound up having the big game was Danny Amendola. Eight catches, 102 yards. And while, yes, you can make the argument the target share was definitely going to be higher for him with no Marvin Jones as well, the fact that he had that kind of game while Kenny Galladay was only able to have a pedestrian game at best is really disappointing because Danny Amendola is not somebody you were trusting in your fantasy lineups. Kenny Galladay could definitely be made an argument that he definitely lost some people their matchups this week. And as far as the running back situation goes, it sounds like the Lions are fully intending to activate and play carry on Johnson next week. I don't necessarily understand it. I don't know what the purpose would be for, but they activated him and he's eligible to play next week. It seems like that's the route that they are going to go. So whatever their reasons may be for that, it sounds like carry on Johnson will be back. And if he's going to be back, figure he's going to be the workhorse. I mean, you're not going to activate him with two weeks left in the season to work him in slowly to play him on a limited snap count, that would that would be completely retarded. So the only way this makes any sense is if they have every intention to go ahead and bring him back as the workhorse back to get him going at the end of the season with some confidence heading into next year. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. So I think Carrion Johnson might be, I don't want to say he's an RB2 just because he's been, all, he's been out of the game for so long, but an RB3, a flex play, somebody you can consider in your lineups, yeah, he is going to be in that territory as we head into next week just to give you guys a heads up there. The Dolphins and the Giants. This was actually had a lot of fantasy implications in this game. Eli Manning, 283 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, does get back to 500 for his career, and it may be the last time we see him play because, surprisingly enough, Daniel Jones was able to practice this week, made it interesting enough at least earlier in the week that Pat Shermer wouldn't commit to one quarterback or another. We'll see how practice goes again this week. There's still a possibility that Eli plays again, but it's looking like maybe Daniel Jones winds up making a return. The big thing was that Saquon Barkley finally was able to take advantage of a plus matchup and look like Saquon Barkley again. 24 carries, 112 yards, two touchdowns, and also tacked on four catches for 31 yards in the receiving game as well. This is the performance you expected from Saquon Barkley all season long. It was nice to see him get going in this game. Maybe it's a confidence booster they're able to take with them heading into next week, but regardless, Saquon Barkley was always somebody that had to be in your lineups no matter the situation anyway, and now it's just nice to see that maybe in the most important part of the year, you can actually lean on him to bring you in a title after all. As far as wide receivers go, Sterling Shepard was the big winner of the day. Nine catches, 111 yards on 11 targets was by far the most targeted wide receiver after Darius Slayton was that guy a week ago. And Slayton still wound up saving your fantasy day because a lot of people wanted to play him. Came off that big game going up against the Miami Dolphins. Only had two catches for 31 yards, but does get the touchdown to salvage today. The disappointing thing was that was only three targets. That was a disappointing thing. It makes it seem like it's a little bit inconsistent as far as the work share goes between him and Shepard. But here's what I'll say. While Golden Tate, from a fantasy perspective, had a really good game because he had the 51-yard touchdown catch, he still only had one catch. He still only had one catch per game since Eli's been the quarterback. We'll see if Daniel Jones is going to be back there. But right now, my number one wide receiver for the New York Giants is still going to be Darius Slayton because he has the big gameplay ability, because he has been someone who's been more involved than not. And 
I'm just going to chalk this up to the best way to attack the Miami Dolphins is in the slot. And Shepard, not Golden Tate, actually played the slot in the majority of this game. And to me, that was the big difference in this one. So I'm still going with Slayton. I'm still going with Shepard. And then Golden Tate at the very bottom. Golden Tate's not somebody who I can play at all. Shepard, consider it in PPR leagues next week because they have a plus match against the Redskins. But Slayton is still the guy that I want to play out of this receiver core. On the Dolphins side of the ball, Fitzpatrick was actually good. Some people who are trying to stream him, play him in DFS. Total 79 yards, two touchdowns. Wasn't a huge performance, but with the 33 yards rushing tacked on, still gave you a very, very good performance at that and a plus match that you're looking for him to do. Devontae Parker did not get hurt in this game. That's always a big thing after he got hurt last week. Came back, four catches, 72 yards, and two touchdowns just continues to be a high-end wide receiver two with wide receiver one capabilities he's scoring touchdowns every single week expecting to get back to getting to close to 100 yards again next week uh, Devontae Parker somebody just is a must play in your lineups right now Patrick Lard actually wasn't terrible as far as Miami Dolphin running backs go so far this season 12 carries for 46 yards did tack on just two catches for eight yards but again a Miami Dolphin running back is just not fantasy relevant you can consider Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think at DFS tournaments, I'm still not going to play in my redraft league, especially going into the championship week. And Devontae Parker is a must start. That's pretty much it for the Miami Dolphins. Now for the Vikings and the Chargers game, another game in which we have another injury that we have to talk about. Once again, Dalvin Cook again injures his shoulder. And he definitely, definitely, including probably myself, as I'm recording this, playing against Alvin Kamara, lost people their fantasy playoff weeks. Absolutely 100% did. Nine carries for 27 yards. He only attacked on three catches for 16 yards in this game. And what was really the, the kicker in the groin is that you watched Mike Boone later on that game go for two rushing touchdowns. And all you can sit there and think to yourself as a Dalvin Cook owner is like, that would have been two touchdowns for Dalvin Cook. That would have been my RB1 performance. That would have won me my week. That's all you could think as a Dalvin Cook owner. And now, if you did somehow survive that, and you are going to the championship game, or if you're playing for a third-place prize, and you have Dalvin Cook, you may not have him next week. Look, they came out and they said it's again. It's just it was a re-aggravation of the shoulder injury, which is something that they've they've said that if he gets hit the right way with the amount of pain that he feels, he may wind up missing the rest of the game once that happens. But again, didn't do any further damage. And Mike Zimmer comes out and says eh, it feels much better. He might play. We have we also have reports saying that not not from Mike Zimmer himself, but from sources close to the team saying that they may decide to just shut him down. Now they are in position to make the playoffs. After winning this game, they may just go ahead and shut him down for both Week 16 and Week 17 and make sure he is rested up and healthy and ready to go for that first round of the playoffs, which you can't blame him for. But if you're a fantasy owner, you're sitting there sweating bullets. Look, regardless of Dalvin Cook's situation, you have to pick up Mike Boone. And we'll talk about him in the waiver wire report as well. But with the ankle injury to Alexander Madison and his Availability being very, very cloudy for this week as well. Mike Boone all of a sudden becomes an interesting name for fantasy championship weeks for sure. So something we're going to have to keep our eyes on there. And of course, make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow for the player news update notifications. And we'll make sure you're updated throughout the week on what Dalvin Cook is able to do. As far as the wide receivers go, Adam Thielen came back in this game to do pretty much, well, nothing. Three catches for 27 yards. The silver lining with Adam Thielen is that he did not get injured in this game he did not re-aggravate the hamstring injury which means if you did make it to the next round with Adam Thielen on your team you can go ahead and play Adam Thielen 
As long as he's healthy, he's got to be on your team. He's got to be a high-end wide receiver, too, for you. Stephon Diggs was fine in this game. It's only six targets, four catches, 76 yards. Fact is, the Vikings dominated this game with their defense. They were able to get a couple rushing touchdowns in. There just wasn't a lot they had to do in the passing game. Kirk Cousins only threw the ball for 25 times in this game. So this kind of goes back to like how they were playing games early in the season, how they were winning games that way. And that's kind of what it reminded me of. We'll see what happens moving forward, especially if they have no Dalvin Cook. Even if Mike Boone is the running back, I still have to believe that they're going to throw the ball a little bit more next week. Their defense hadn't dominated a game like that for a long time, and we might see them snap back to reality against the Green Bay Packers a week from now. But having said all that, you still got to play Adam Thielen. You still got to play Stephon Diggs. We'll see what the running back situation comes out to. And against the Green Bay Packers, Kirk Cousins will re-enter streaming territory. We had him outside streaming territory this past week because the Chargers defense had been healthy. They haven't, they played really well last week and there was reason to be worried about this matchup. Now, it wasn't because of the Chargers secondary that Kirk Cousins didn't have a good fantasy game. It had more to do with that they just didn't need to throw the ball all that much. But the point still remained. He still did kind of what we expected him to do for the week. But we expect a much bigger week next week. As far as the Chargers side of the ball, Phillip Rivers you know, went over 300 yards, had a touchdown, but three interceptions in this game. The Chargers were turnover machines. Melvin Gordon had two fumbles in this game, and that really made him, he had to ride the bench a little bit, but he did come back later on in the game. The big thing with Anthony Lynn, when it comes to Melvin Gordon, remembers that his wagons hitched Melvin Gordon. He has to get him going. That's been one of the big staples, and one of the big reasons they fired the offensive coordinator earlier on in the season. One of the big reasons he has stuck with Melvin Gordon so far this year. So if you have Melvin Gordon, you made it to the championship round, if you're worried about him being in the doghouse next week because he fumbled twice, I would not be. We've seen this earlier this season. We saw him come back and right away get 20 carries the following week. I'm not worried about Melvin Gordon. You can still fire him up as a RB2. The guy just you have to play, you must play, is Austin Eckler. Because regardless, the guy's involved in the passing game. Five catches, 62 yards, and seven targets. And he's going to get some carries here and there. And if Melvin Gordon does go back into the doghouse, that's just more work for Austin Eckler. So he's somebody who has to continue to be played, especially if you're in PPR leagues as your flex, or even, frankly, as an RB2 if you're in PPR leagues right now as well. Keenan Allen... He, you know, he got back just in time to being that high end wide receiver two, low end wide receiver one again. Nine catches, 99 yards. The only thing he didn't do is score in this game, but 10 targets. He just continues to be a PPR stud. And Mike Williams finds the end zone for the second week in a row. We kind of talked about this last week, right? Now that the lid had finally gotten off the end zone, it could lead to more touchdowns. And he goes for the second week in a row, four catches, 71 yards, had nine targets in this game. Was a plus matchup for him here. They got another plus matchup next week. Mike Williams, somebody who re-enters, goes from wide receiver four, touchdown dependent, to re-entering that wide receiver three territory as he's having a really strong last month of football here for the Chargers. I still, generally speaking, am a little bit worried about his consistency as far as targets go, but after having a really bad performance as far as targets go, last week comes back in this one with nine. It makes me feel like in plus matchups, they're going to be able to go to him enough and you can still play him as a wide receiver three with some upside in this one. Next game we have Cleveland Browns, Arizona Cardinals. Yes, the Browns are terrible. Yes, Freddie Kitchens should be fired. Well, at least one of two things have to happen. Either Freddie Kitchens has to be fired, or people need to take a closer look at whether Baker Mayfield is really the future. One of the two things has to happen. My money's on Freddie Kitchens getting fired before they take another look at Baker Mayfield, whether he's the future or not. That would be my money. But this team is too talented to have this keep happening, and now all too distracted. 
Baker Mayfield in this one, 247 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, and what should have been a cake matchup with a Cardinals defense playing horrendously all throughout the year, and especially so over the past month of football, and yet they still were not able to take advantage of that. Odell Beckham had eight catches, 66 yards on 13 targets. So you like the volume. You were okay with it if you're in PPR leagues. But if you're in half point, you're in standard. He just continues to be nothing more than wide receiver three. And even if you're PPR leagues, he's still somebody who's nothing more than wide receiver three in my book. Kareem Hunt, eight catches, 62 yards. Continues to be a high-end flex play for PPR leagues. Uh, he's right there. He's getting that volume. He's been involved. This is a team that's been pretty much having to come back from behind in almost any game now, even when they should be winning those games. And outside of Beckham and Jarvis Landry, who also had eight targets in this one, there was no other pass catcher really all that involved. Those are the three guys who are getting targeted the most on a pretty consistent basis. So you can continue to expect Kareem Hunt to be that involved. Jarvis Landry was another disappointment. I mean, he, while he had the eight targets, five catches for 23 yards, especially after the month of football he had been having, he's still the wide receiver of the two that I'm going to trust the most. He's still the guy that I expect to be able to put up better production moving forward. And it partly had to do with Ricky Seals Jones being the guy who wound up with the two touchdowns and really didn't do much outside of that. But I'm still going to play Jarvis Landry with confidence moving forward here, but not Beckham. I am going to play confidence though with Cream Hunt. I am going to play with confidence Nick Chubb. He's just continuing to produce. Even with Cream Hunt in the lineup, he has given you high in RB2, borderline RB1 performances, just rushing the football, even without being involved in the passing game. 17 carries, 127 yards, and a touchdown. Look, that's Nick Chubb has been the one bright spot for the Cleveland Browns all year long. While that offense has struggled, Week in and week, week out, Nick Chubb has shown you he is a budding star in the league at the running back position in the making because he continues just to produce week in and week out regardless of the woes of the offense around him. He's been very impressive in that sense, and you continue to play him with confidence. But, of course, the big name of this game was on the Cardinals side of the ball. Kenyon Drake, who single-handedly won people their matches this week, without a doubt. 22 carries. 137 yards with four, four touchdowns, four. Now, we knew this was a plus matchup going into it. We knew that because of the volume and because Kenny Drake had been the starter, that he might be looking at low-end RB2 territory, definitely definitely high-end flex play territory. We were not expecting him to be the RB1 of the week. That, that we were not ready for. And it was absolutely just impressive performance from the guy made guys missed, ran inside, ran outside, and he did it while not really being involved in probably was arguably one of the best aspects of his game, which is the passing game. Only one target for one reception for nine yards. That's it. That's all he had. He wasn't that involved in that aspect of it. So for him to come out and just cream the Cleveland defense in the running game was absolutely impressive and makes him somebody who you feel like is going to be pretty hard to take out of your lineups next week. Frankly, it's going to be really hard to do that, especially with another plus matchup on the way. So, yeah, Kenyon Drake's somebody who we're going to talk about again as a guy that you might want to make sure you have in your lineups. Kyler Murray, once again, pretty pedestrian. Now, he gives you a decent floor because he tacked on 56 yards rushing in this game. But as far as throwing the ball, once again, 219 yards, barely getting over 200 yards, a touchdown, an interception, just really pedestrian as far as throwing the ball numbers-wise goes, which has been putting a hurting on the wide receivers. 
Demir Bird was the number one wide receiver in this game. Not Larry Fitzgerald, not Christian Kirk. Demir Bird. Six catches, 86 yards on six targets. You're not going to play Bird. You're not going to play Fitzgerald. The only guy I'm even contemplating is Christian Kirk. And even that has become more of a boom or bust factor. Not so much a boom because when he has good games, it's not usually a game that's going to win you the week. But a boom in the sense of what kind of volume you're going to get. Is it going to be his 10-target game or is it going to be like this where he only gets five targets? That's the question. So he's a wide receiver three, boom or bust, depending upon the volume that he sees that day. But of all the Cardinal wide receivers, he's still the only one I'm going to contemplate playing in my lineups moving forward. All right, we're going to take one last... All right, no, I'm sorry. I take that back. We're not going to take a break yet. We're going to wait to finish up these games, and we'll do it for the waiver wire report. So we still got four more games to get to. The Jaguars and the Oakland Raiders. Gardner Minshew somehow had a decent game. Look, we knew... We kind of ticked him down a little bit. We had him really high on our streaming territory list until the injury to DJ Chark. And without Chark, we knew that even in a plus matchup, it was just his upside was going to be limited in this game. But he did give you a floor because he did give you two touchdowns, 200 yards. He did tack on 27 yards rushing. So there was a floor there, at least for Gardner Minshew, if you decide to play him against Oakland anyway. But he didn't have that big ceiling that you would have probably had had Chark been able to go in this week. Now, Earlier today, the reports are coming out that Chark is probably going to be able to play this week because all of a sudden he got clear for practice. He was running and cutting. Very surprising given that it was supposedly a high ankle sprain. But we will see. We'll keep our eyes on that on the practice wire report. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow for those player news update notifications. Letter for Net was how he's been all year. Disappointing and yet not disappointing at the same time. Disappointing in the sense that he only had 2.8 yards per carry, 15 carries, 42 yards, and again, didn't score a touchdown in this game. But not disappointing because he still gave you 70 yards you know, total, still gave you five receptions on seven targets, so PPR leagues, he still gave you double-digit points. He still found a way to give you a floor of a game, even when it's just not going his way. And that's kind of been the case on Leonard Fournette, just the volume is there where you just have to continue to play him week in and week out and hope that he either finds the end zone or hope that he has a better efficient day. And that's been kind of hit or miss. It's been hard to trust, but the volume is there that you can sink your teeth into each and every week. Now, with no DJ Chark, obviously it opened up targets for guys like Chris Conley and Keelan Cole. And this wound up being a bad call by me in some senses where I said I wasn't trusting Chris Conley going into this week. And, of course, he had two touchdowns, so he had a big fantasy day. But he had four catches for 49 yards. I take those two touchdowns away. He has the the type of day that I was kind of expecting him to have. But he still did have those two touchdowns. He still did have the big fantasy day. The big surprise to me and and why he had the big fantasy day and why I wasn't expecting him to have that was that D.D. Westbrook was not very involved in this game. Two catches, 14 yards, only on four targets. I expected him to be the number one targeted receiver. I expected him to be the main guy that they went to. I expected him to be the guy that they could have had a big play with. And that just wasn't the case. They went to Chris Conley more aggressively. They went to Keelan Cole more aggressively. So, you know, had you told me that D.D. Westbrook wasn't actually going to be that involved with O.D.J. Chark, then I would have had a different tune. But that was not my expectation heading into this matchup. Now, as far as the Raiders' side of the ball goes, Josh Jacobs... As long as he plays, and like I said leading to this week, as long as he's active, you can expect to see him to get 20 carries. And this was a game in which you have to play him as long as he was active. He had 24 carries in this game. 89 yards, also tacked on 20 yards receiving, so he gets you over the 100-yard from scrimmage mark. He didn't score in this game, but for a guy who was supposedly dealing with a broken shoulder, played pretty well, handled it pretty well, and was treated as the workhorse back. 
So it just goes to show you, as long as Jacobs is active, he's just a guy who's a threat to get you 20-plus carries each and every single week, and that has not changed to this point, quite frankly. Derek Carr in this one was okay, but you weren't going to play Derek Carr anyway. The biggest thing is that Darren Waller, it catches 122 yards on 10 targets. Now, there are some reports that Hunter Renfro may be returning this week, and that is really decimating for Darren Waller owners because you have to play Darren Waller because he's been one of the top tight ends at the position. You probably don't have a better option, but we've seen that when Hunter Renfro is active on the field and as of towards the second half of the season have been getting involved in the rotation more and more, it really affected Darren Waller in a big way. And since he's left, Darren Waller has returned to being a you know borderline top five tight end again. And all of a sudden, next week, your championship week, you're going to have to play Waller most likely, but all of a sudden you have to go in there with the expectation that his ceiling is going to be capped because Hunter Renfro may return. So something to kind of keep your eyes on there. Tyrell Williams doing Tyrell Williams things. He has to score a touchdown. He's a touchdown dependent wide receiver three, plain and simple. Two catches, 45 yards, a stat line that has become all too common for him. Three targets. That's a little, little more surprising because he is somebody who had been getting over five targets pretty consistently, even though he hadn't been necessarily seeing the production. But he finds the end zone in this game, and that's really been his whole fantasy worth this entire season is him finding the end zone. So we'll see as this continues. He's still somebody who finds himself as a touchdown dependent wide receiver three heading into next week. The Falcons and the 49ers, the big surprise of the week as far as football goes, the Falcons coming up with the win in this game. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Matt Ryan, though, was kind of pedestrian, and he probably didn't want to play Matt Ryan too much against San Francisco here. 210 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Freeman, pretty pedestrian, 12 carries, 39 yards, two catches, 16 yards. So far, all things you kind of expected against the San Francisco defense. But Julio Jones single-handedly just torched that San Fran D. 13 catches, 134 yards, two touchdowns, 20 targets, 20 targets that is unheard of 20 targets now yes there's no Calvin Ridley in this game but there have been plenty of games this season where Calvin Ridley had not gotten targeted that much and yet Julio Jones never saw that and this is the first time Julio Jones has scored since the beginning of half of this season as well who would have thought against the San Francisco 49ers now on one hand it could be like well you knew the match was going to be better because there's no Richard Sherman this is true but still 20 targets 13 catches 134 yards and two touchdowns absolutely incredible I kept saying going into last week, while he had been disappointing, you know, you have to continue playing him wide receiver one because he's Julio Jones, and this shows you why. Because he can just win you the week single-handedly at any given point and give you a wide receiver one performance. 
You continue to fire him up with confidence next week. Remember, still no Calvin really, so target share should be there. Outside of that, though, Russell Gage has six targets. Austin Hooper has six targets. Both of those guys were very pedestrian in this week. Hooper is still somebody that I think you have to continue to play. And he did have a touchdown that really he should have had. He should have been able to come down with an inbounds. Wasn't quite able to finish off the catch as it hit, as the ball hit the ground. Uh, would have been a much better fantasy day otherwise. But Austin Hooper is still somebody I think you have to play as a tight end one. The target share really should be there. Julio Jones is not going to get 20 targets again next week. There's still no Calvin Ridley. So I do expect Austin Hooper to have a better fantasy day next week. You can continue to play him as a tight end one in your matchup. On the San Fran side of the ball, Jimmy Garoppolo was very disappointing against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, this game didn't go how I expected it to go, but I did say going into it, I, I cautioned some, you know, I just gave it a little bit of a caution when it came to Jimmy Garoppolo because I said, you know, the 49ers could play defense and run the ball and not have to do too much through the air, or it could be a shootout. Now, the Niners wound up losing this game, but the final score was really a lot higher than what this game was. It was really a 22-17 to type of game going into the fourth quarter. They really won it on that last touchdown when it went 23-22. It was just a kickoff return uh, when they when the 49ers were trying to win the game at the end and just kind of fumbled it and gave it back. But it was really a you know garbage-time TD. It wasn't really part of the actual game flow. It just wanted to just being a low-scoring game. It wanted to be a defensive game on both sides of the ball. Not something I was really expecting too much of. But Garoppolo does wind up with the low floor. In this one, it just goes to show you it's not always very consistent with the way this offense is playing right now as far as the balance between the passing game and the rushing game. Raheem Mostert, though, showed that he's an RB2 heading into next week. 14 carries, 54 yards, a touchdown. The biggest surprise to me is that Tevin Coleman only had four carries for 40 yards. That was the biggest surprise to me because I thought for sure against the Atlanta Falcons in a revenge game, being that Tevin Coleman wasn't injured, that we could maybe see him have a bigger role in this one. And obviously getting 40 yards on four carries is pretty good production. That's all he saw. Now, the big one here was a little bit confusing. Matt Breida, earlier that day, there was reports of saying that he was going to actually be inactive for that game. And then that wound up not being the case. So there's a little bit of confusion on that part. But in all intents and purposes, he was essentially inactive because he really wasn't that involved. Only saw six total touches. Only had 17 total yards. Uh, so really, for all intents and purposes, he wasn't that involved in this game. So hopefully... Even if you saw the early report of him being inactive, you know that wound up not being true. Hopefully, he started Raheem Mostert as a result. Hopefully, he kept Matt Breida on the bench as a result because the results were pretty much the same as if they would have been, essentially. George Kittle just, you know, George Kittle's a monster. 13 catches, 134 yards on 17 targets. I mean, he tried to pretty much duplicate what Julio Jones did. The only thing he didn't do was get in the end zone twice, uh, like Julio did. Other than that, though, I mean, the guy's just, it's him and Travis Kelsey, and then, you know, a gap before you get back down to Zach Ertz and the rest of the top of the tight ends right now. He's just absolutely unbelievable. He's healthy. You know, no matter what's going on with the 49ers offense, he's just going to perform for you week in and week out. As far as wide receivers go, none of the wide receivers were very involved. Emmanuel Sanders had the most targets amongst the wide receivers. He had four. That was it. Two catches, nine yards. Debo wasn't very involved in this gun. Three targets, one catch, 29 yards. It was all George Kittle and really nobody else as far as the pass catching game goes. Emmanuel Sanders, to me, is still somebody who's a high-end wide receiver three. And Debo Samuels is still a a low-end wide receiver three, more of a top-end wide receiver four in my book. And that's kind of how, to, how you have to treat them into your lineups going into uh, next week for them. Next game up, we got the Rams. We got the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys showing up after two weeks of just huge disappointments. A Rams team that had been hot 
finally they show up and pretty much dominate this game. Dak Prescott was decent. Um, didn't play the entire fourth quarter. Didn't do a whole hell of a lot as far as having a big fantasy game, but 212 yards, two touchdowns, 12 yards rushing. He was able to do enough where he didn't lose you the week, but just wasn't as good a performance as you were probably hoping for at home here, uh, especially coming off of really a month straight of him throwing the ball 40-plus times. But the biggest thing was that the rushing game could not be stopped. The Rams couldn't tackle. Ezekiel Elliott coming through for you as an elite RB1. 24 carries, 117 yards, and two touchdowns. Also tacked on three catches for 43 yards in the passing game. He was every bit the RB1 that you drafted him to be, and he got you to your championship week if you had him last week. The other one was Tony Pollard. Had a huge run at the end of the game in garbage time. is when he got the touchdown, the 44-yard touchdown there uh, when the backups were playing. But still, 12 carries for 131 yards. Pretty impressive there. Nothing to ride home about. He's not suddenly a flex guy. He's not suddenly, you know, in the work share low with Ezekiel Elliott. This had everything to do with game flow and nothing else. And that's where the wide receivers, you know, hurt as well because they only threw the ball 23 times. There's not as many targets to go around. So Amari Cooper wound up being irrelevant. He did lose people their weeks. One catch, 19 yards. Michael Gallup lost people their weeks. One catch, six yards. Probably even more disappointing than Amari Cooper because Amari Cooper, you can at least sign it off as, you know what, Jalen Ramsey was shadowing him so you can kind of play it off as he had a tough matchup but Michael Gallup was the guy you expected him to take advantage on the other side and that did not happen at all in this game all for the one catch for six yards I expect a bigger bounce back if you were able to survive with these guys in your lineups but I know there's a lot of people out there who did not make the championship week because of Mario Cooper because of Michael Gallup in this one really ashamed to see as far as that goes but if you did, I'm still going to treat them as guys that you, Mari Cooper, you have to play on. Michael Gallup is still going to be a boomer bust wide receiver three option heading into next week. On the Rams side of the ball, thank God Todd Gurley still knows how to score touchdowns. Because if you're a Todd Gurley owner, that's all that saved your butt in this one. Because he only had 11 carries for 20 yards. He only had three catches for 18 yards. But he had one rushing touchdown. He had one receiving touchdown. And at the end of the day, that's all you need to do to have a good fantasy day to have an RB1 fantasy day, frankly, and that's what Todd Gurley was able to give you. Outside of that, Tyler Higby had a huge game. 12 catches, 111 yards on 14 targets. I was surprised. This isn't a Dallas Cowboy defense that has been terrible against a tight end, and especially the game in which the offense in general for the Rams was awful. I definitely did not expect Tyler Higby to be the one lone bright spot outside of Todd Gurley scoring touchdowns. It just shows you that right now there's not a hotter tight end in the NFL and Tyler Higby and as long as Gerald Everett continues to miss and continues to be out you have to fire up Tyler Higby as if he is a tight end one in your lineup especially if you've been streaming at the position all week you have to continue to play him with confidence heading into your championship week because this guy is on a tear right now you had to continue to play Cooper Cup, who did get you a decent game in this one. Six catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. And you have to continue to play Robert Woods. I know he had two great games, and this one's an absolute dud. Four catches, 17 yards. But outside of Tyler Higby's 14 targets, he had the second most on the team with nine. He still was heavily involved. They just weren't able to link up in this game. But Robert Woods is still somebody who I'm going to play with confidence next week because of the volume share that he has been seeing for the past month. Jared Goff... From a fantasy standpoint, wasn't terrible. 284 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. He gave you a floor. If you're playing him because he was hot as of late, he still gave you a floor. He didn't lose your week with that performance. So it wasn't great, but from a fantasy perspective, was not awful 
either. Last game that we're going to talk about in this recap show is the Sunday night game. Remember the Monday night game? Like I said, if there's anything big that comes out of that game, we'll talk about it throughout the week, but we're not going to recap that tonight. We do have the waiver wire report we still have to get to here. And this game, we don't have to spend too much time on. It went as expected. We expected defense. We expected a rushing attack and to pretty much be a low-scoring game. That's what happened here. The Bills won 17-10. Josh Allen was pedestrian. Uh, I did think he was somebody who gave you a decent floor in this game. And in some ways he did because he did tack on the rushing touchdown for you for 28 yards. But his passing numbers were so pedestrian. 139 yards, a touchdown, interception. Still just wasn't a great fantasy day. But did, did salvage it if you did play him. You probably didn't lose because of him. But Devin Singletary had a decent game in this one. 21 carries, 87 yards. Only tacked on two catches for two yards, so that was kind of bad there. But still had a decent floor game. And John Brown, who I did say you could probably fire up in this game again with some confidence at the wide receiver three position, did come through with a seven-catch, 99-yard performance. The only thing he didn't do is score. Cole Beasley went back to being irrelevant, the irrelevant wide receiver that he truly is. He has six targets, but one catch for six yards in this game exactly why I kept saying I'm not going to play Cole Beasley. I'm not going to trust Cole Beasley. You can't trust him in these situations, especially when you're playing against a team that has a good defense because you know it's just going to be a slobber knocker type of game. On the Steelers side of the ball, big thing was, hey, James Conner got to return. We didn't get to see Juju Smith-Schuster return, but we did get to see James Conner return. And he went eight carries for 42 yards. Just, you know, obviously you're disappointed by that. But, he still came through to a good fantasy day because he had four catches for nine yards and a receiving touchdown. So he still got you double-digit points no matter what scoring format you were in. So he still got you that RB2 performance, which is what we told you to fire him up to be. And the big thing here is that there's a lot of talk about, oh, Benny Snell was going to split with him, Jalen Samuels was going to split with him, and that wasn't the case. While he only had eight carries, Snell only had two, Samuels only had two. What was annoying was that maybe Whitehead too as well, and there was like four running backs touching the football. That part you could find annoying, but really if you did it by a percentage basis, James Conner was by far the lead back. There wasn't really splitting with any one guy in particular, so expect his volume to go up next week. Uh, the Steelers are still somewhat in the playoff race here, so expect them to still be playing hard. Expect Connor to play well, and we'll see if Juju Smith-Schuster comes back next week. But James Washington had a decent game this one. Five catches, 83 yards on 11 targets. Deontay Johnson had five catches, 62 yards on seven targets in this one. The biggest thing to take out, though, is that Juju Smith-Schuster comes back. There's not a Steelers wide receiver that you can trust because who knows what the target share is going to be next week if that winds up being the case. But we won't know until later on this week. All right, that wraps up the recap games that we're going to talk about in today's episode. We're going to come back with the break and then come back on the other side with the waiver wire report for week 16 for your championship weeks. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Now comes time to officially put last week to bed and look forward. Look forward to the championship week. Look forward to how we can improve our lineups even going into next week. And of course, as always, we take the average ownership 
from all the major platforms and look for the players that are less than 50% owned on average and see which ones could actually help us for this week. And it's a short list, as it should expect it to be, but an important one nonetheless. Starting off with OJ Howard at 41%. Talked about him a little bit with no Chris Godwin, no Mike Evans. The fact that he had eight targets this past week, he is somebody who enters that top-end, tight-end streaming territory if you've been looking at that position in that light. It had targets have to go somewhere, and it had to go somewhere besides Brashad Perryman. And the second guy I expect that to be is OJ Howard this week. I expect to have as much of a potential to score as anybody on that team, especially against the Houston Texans next week in a plus matchup. OJ Howard is somebody you can look to to stream at that position. The next guy I want to talk about is Carryon Johnson. Talked about him, 39% owned. Again, he's going to be activated. He's going to expect you expected to play. Expect him to be that workhorse back that they have been pretty much trying to find when they have that one guy they've been able to go to expect carry on to get 20 carries they're not going to bring him back to play on limited snaps it's not going to happen so if he's going to be active he is going to be a workhorse back this upcoming week somebody you can pick up and play as a flex play this upcoming week with the volume that he should have Next guy we want to talk about, Anthony Miller, 26% owned. The guy has been on a tear as of late. Now, this is, of course, dependent upon Taylor Gabriel still missing due to his concussion injury because if he does play, then the target share becomes a little bit more murky. But assuming that Taylor Gabriel does not go again, I expect Anthony Miller to be back in this game. And I expect him to continue to get the target share that he's been able to get as of late and be somebody who can be a wide receiver three for you, especially in those PPR leagues. Next guy I want to talk about is Brashad Perryman, 11% owned. This one should be a no-brainer coming off of a huge performance, over 100 yards and three touchdowns, coming off a game which there will be no Chris Godwin, there will be no Mike Evans next week, and going into a matchup, a plus matchup against the Houston Texans where you should see eight, possibly even more targets in this game. He is somebody who should be fired up as a wide receiver three who does have a high floor and a high ceiling to boot because he does have the big play potential in a high volume passing offense. Yes, we like Rashad Perryman a lot this week. Yes, he is somebody who think we should pick up and be able to play this week with confidence as well. Next guy and last guy I want to talk about, also a no-brainer, Mike Boone, 2% on average own. Of course, it's dependent on Dalvin Cook not playing this week, but with a lot of uncertainty there, with a lot of uncertainty around Alexander Madison, if he will be healthy enough to go with the ankle injury that he has right now, somebody else will have to be watching the practice report. If he can't go as well, Mike Boone will find himself being a workhorse back and possibly a championship winner if he is on your team. So make sure you go ahead and pick up Mike Boone if you get that opportunity to do so. That wraps up the waiver wire report. Like I said, it wasn't a particularly long one. All those guys have common sense reasons as to why they should be picked up in your teams, why they should be considered in your lineups, depending on what you have. We will be back on Thursday and on Friday on sportscaster.com at MDFF belly up usn you can check us out live for the show of course we'll always have the mailbag segment where you can do one of two things you can contact us through social media at mdsff show on twitter at mdff show on facebook or email us directly from the website www.mdffshow.com where you can also check out the rankings and if you 
Send me a question. Not only will it be answered by me, but I will be pre-selecting a few of those to be on the show. And of course, if you make sure you tune in the Sportscaster when we go live, which should be at 10 a.m. on Thursday and 10 a.m. on Friday, we you can go ahead and drop any fantasy questions you want while that live episode is going on, and we will get to it as part of the mailbag segment at the end as well. So make sure you take advantage of that. This is the most important week of the season. We will be here for you all week long. Make sure you're checking out one of my networks, Unwrapped Sports Network and the Belly Up Sports Network, doing great things every single day for sports content that you need, whether it be for entertainment or informative purposes, you are all covered there as well. I will be seeing you guys on Thursday. Everyone have a lovely night, and I hope to see you in the championship week this week. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.